Take your Bibles, and if you would, please, and turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Thank you, Pastor Fugit, for allowing me to be here. I uh, told somebody the other day, I feel like I'm a mule at the Kentucky Derby. I just know I'm in the right race, and I know where the finish line is. So, are we okay, Brother Jeremy? Am I on? Okay, great. Thank you. I um, have had the privilege to be able to serve the Lord for my life. My wife and I, on May 22nd, will be married 50 years and uh, I started Bible college. I often am asked that I go to Hiles Anderson College. When I went to college, there was no Hiles Anderson College, so that lets you know a little bit how old I am. It was in uh, January of 1969 at an activity just like this. It wasn't as large. I sat clear in the very back. I am a bus kid, and I had started driving at that time in 69. I had my license, and I had purchased an old truck. The man that was preaching preached about giving your heart to the Lord and being willing to do whatever God wants you to do. The reason I was in the back is I was part of a rowdy group. All of them that were sitting with me were deacon's kids and the pastor's son and the pastor's daughter was back there. I was kind of a tag along. That conference, God got a hold of my heart. I was saved younger, but I'd never heard about giving everything to God and knowing God's will. The invitation was given, I came forward. And as I came forward, I just said, Lord, I'm giving you everything. Don't know what to do about that. So the preacher that was preaching asked me to stay. Well, that embarrassed me because I'm an introvert. What ended up happening is he had everybody sit down, and then he had me tell why I came forward. That was January of 1969. I'm going to preach to you a message how to stay in the saddle. I've fallen out of the saddle several times. I've been drugged with my foot caught in a stirrup several times. I've gone over the front, I've gone over the back, I've gone off the sides, but to this day, I'm still in the saddle. I've still, I'm not ready for the big roundup yet. I've still got some life left in me, but I want to teach you or preach to you for just a very few moments. It'll be about as long as the first time that I rode a bull. It was very short but I'm burdened for you. When I stood out there in the parking lot beside my truck, all those people in that row came by me, and they said, what are you doing? And in a matter of moments, I stood in a dark parking lot by myself next to a truck, looking up to heaven and saying, is this what it's all about? Well, I'm here at just right at 70 years of age telling you it's wonderful. It's a no return. It's a no regret. It's everything and beyond what you can ever imagine or anybody could ever tell you. If you'll just allow me, I'd like to give you my heart, and we'll talk about how to stay in this saddle this morning. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. I ask your blessing. You know I've prayed. You know I've begged you. You know I've pleaded with you. You know I've walked in the woods in different places. You know I've been on my knees in different places. I'm unworthy to be here, but I'm thankful for the opportunity. I ask that you'd fill me. I ask that you'd anoint me for this time. Father, I pray for your blessing now on every life here. There is no junk in this room. You did not make a mistake in any life. I pray now, Father in heaven, that there would be a help to someone during this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 1, just a couple of verses. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
Jump on over to chapter 3 and verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Those two verses is where we're going to jump off of today. You may be seated. Preacher, when do I need to be done? When do I need to be done? Okay. I want you to go ahead and look at this verse now. Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The book of 2 Timothy is a wonderful letter from the Apostle Paul to Timothy and of course preserved and inspired by God for us that we can learn from that. And it's here for us today. It's in the canon of scriptures. This is Paul, those, I want you to think about this, last words before he was martyred. And it was going to come very fast and very soon. There are those that have stood on this platform, preached on this platform, that have gone before you and they've been in the saddle for a period of time. I want you to think about something for a while as all the youth workers or youth pastors stand for just a brief moment. Could you do that for me, please? If you came with a group of young people, if you're a pastor, a youth pastor, a worker, they volunteered at a time. Now, teenagers, I want you to look at them. They all believe in you. They all have something that they're desiring for God to do in your life. They have come here and to be with you because they believe in you and they believe God has a plan for you and they believe that God wants you to be part of that plan. I can't ride for you. They can't ride for you. They have been bucked off. They have drugged, been drugged. They have different things that they can't go back and change, but they're here because they believe in you. You may be seated. Thank you. Now I want you to think about yourself. You might be unhappy that you're short. You might be unhappy that you're tall. You might be unhappy that you would like to lose some weight. You might be unhappy because you can't gain muscle. You might be unhappy the way that you are right now, but God did not make a mistake in you. The personality He gave you, the heart that He gave you, the things that He made you to be for His glory, He has a place for you. You and I have just got to get in the saddle and ride to that place and stay in that saddle. Let God develop you and let Him work in your life. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, jump over to verse number 6 if you would please with me. 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 6. Paul wrote these words under the direction of the Holy Spirit. He wrote them to a young man and he said, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have in red large letters in my Bible, Paul knew his time was growing short. What's going to have to happen is Brother Davis made a statement that I want you to grab a hold of. He said the book that his future father-in-law gave to him was written in the 50s. I'm going to challenge you to do something. You have to tell what God does in your life while you're in the saddle. There's nobody like you. I had wrote the book that you were given here. It is the first one. I flunked ninth grade English. When I got to college, I hated English. At almost 70 years of age, I still hate English. My wife takes every letter that I write and it looks like it does have a hemorrhaging of a main artery. It's got so much red in it. And then I say, honey, I tried to do that. She says, I said, what did I do wrong? She says, you write the way you talk. That'll really build you. That'll really build you. There were three young ladies that went through that book. But let me tell you the heart behind the book. The greatest thing that ever happened in my life was to understand the Bible is God's love letter to me. The Bible is God's love letter to you. The Bible is God's guidance and you'll find God's will in that. And to be able to take a generation of young people and to be able to show them you can have a personal walk with God. God wants to speak to you. God wants to use you. 
just see the theme this year as you have in, in every service wanted to see the signs wanted dead and alive. Wanted dead and alive. That we would die to ourselves and that we would live for God. Some of us have lived longer in what we are going to live than what we have lived to this day. I'm going to live less than I've already lived and I know that. I left home at 17. My parents have died over 25 years ago. My grandparents died almost 50 years ago. I've been riding the saddle for a while and I know that I've got less life to live but I want to stay in the battle. My burden for you today is just twofold and I'll give it to you simple. Number one, that you might get in the saddle and ride for Jesus Christ. Number two, that you'll learn how to stay in the saddle when trials, testings come your way and they will come your way. Let's just take a look at the saddle. There's two of them up here. They've been around the building. And if you'll let me just be, I'm a visual type of person. That's why I love the way the Bible is. I like to study animals. I like to study why there's an orange sunset. What happens when there's a red sunrise. I like to study why the birds chirp. I like to study the names of the animals. What's their specific purposes. I shared with the adults that were over at 8 o'clock. I said the way to, there's two ways to break a horse. You can sack them out where you tie them up to a pole. You throw everything at them. They buck, they snort, they kick, they scream, they holler. And it wears them plumb down and you can conquer them. But then there's a way that we call gentling. It might take me a day, it might take me a week, it might take me a month. But I begin to work the process and I shared with the leaders what I do. But you know what happens the very first thing I do? I look them straight, that pony, that horse, in the eyes. Because the eye is the gate to the heart. There's not a youth leader here that wants to break you. Not one. But they might want to gentle you, but they got to go after your heart. Not to draw them to themselves, but to draw them to God. So let's take a look at this saddle. Number one, the saddle provides an anchor point for balance. When that, we saddle that horse up, that's an anchor point for me to set on. Number two, that saddle provides a place to attach the stirrups to to help me balance when I'm in the saddle. You can ride a horse bareback. The first thing I rode was a mule bareback. Felt like every bone was broken as I was walking along, but you can ride it. But that saddle gives me an anchor point. Those stirrups give me a balance point. The third thing that I want you to see is the saddle provides a place of comfort for you instead of riding bareback. In the will of God is a place of comfort for your spirit. In the will of God is a place of peace for you. In the will of God is a place of joy. In the will of God is a place of growth. In the will of God is blessings of God. The next thing that I think about the saddle is the saddle provides a, did you ever think about this? A dry, secure place for when the horse sweats and perspires. That saddle is a dry place. That saddle is a place of comfort. That saddle is a place of balance. That saddle is a place of security. And we live in a generation right now that's out of balance, out of security, out of comfort. We don't know what we are now. We've raised at a point of a psychologically unstable consequence. The Bible tells us, but my friend, can I tell you to come on out to the farm and I'll show you the difference in a male and a female. The next thing about the saddle, it is a place of stable foundation for the cowboy to do his work. It's a place for roping. It's a place of riding out in the herds and cutting out the cattle that need to be brand or need to be vaccinated and something. It's a place of riding the trail. It's a place of moving the herds, etc. So now let's take that saddle and make another comparison with it. By spiritual saddle, I mean what keeps me staying in the Lord's service, doing the Lord's will, being a servant for the Lord, and having a sold-out, separated life. 
That's where I've got to be. It's a Western theme. It's being in the saddle. It is one thing to say that you want to ride, and it's another thing to get in the saddle and to ride. You can go ahead and stand and look at a horse all the day you want to. You can go ahead and have it saddled. You can have it bridled. You can have it broke. But you've got to get in that saddle and ride. You can go ahead and say you want to live the Christian life, but you're going to live the Christian life, and you've got to get in the saddle to do that. It's one thing to get in the saddle and stay in the saddle when the horse gets spooked. Oftentimes I've sat there and just being relaxed. It might be a breeze of a, of a branch moving. It might be a rabbit running. It might be something. And I've been bucked off just from sitting there because I wasn't ready to be set in that saddle when the horse got spooked and it dumped me off. It is one thing to get in the saddle and to stay in the saddle when the horse does not want to obey and it gets stubborn. Oh, I've been riding along and all of a sudden I wanted to go to the left and I neck reined all my horses and sometimes if you ever ride a rope and horse, you guide it left and right with your knees back and forth. That's how you can have your hands free to do all your rope and you're just moving your knees. But I've gone ahead and had this horse and I'm doing everything I can to get to the left. It wants to go to the right and I go to the left while it goes to the right. But you get back in. There's times when one thing the saddle is to stay in the saddle when the horse does not want to obey and it gets stubborn. We get stubborn in our spirit. If I'm going to stay in the will of God, I've got to stay in the saddle. If I'm going to do the will of God, I've got to stay in the saddle. If I'm going to be blessed in the will of God, I've got to stay in the saddle. It is one thing to get in the saddle and stay in the saddle when the horse wants to go to a full gallop and at times when things seem to be out of control and they just take off and run. I learned a long time ago when that happens, you better make sure you're in the saddle because if you start grabbing and things, it's better just to let the horse run and let it get it out of its system and you can pull it back. It is one thing to get in the saddle and to stay in the saddle when you come to a creek and the horse wants to lunge and you think it's going to go ahead and just walk through and that horse takes a lunge and it leaves you behind in the middle of the creek. You say, Brother Smith, these aren't spiritual things. We're going to get there. Just hang on with me. It's one thing to get in the saddle and to stay in the saddle when you come to the large downhill spot and you look down over that ravine and it's time for the horse to go and you better know how to lean back in that saddle. Otherwise, you're going to go right over the top of the head. Now, how about us spiritually getting prepared? I want you to think about something. That blanket, that blanket is to be in the right place. Do you know at 54 years of age, we had been praying for 23 years about what God's will because we were a camp that's not like Circle C Baptist Ranch that was not under the authority of a local church. And at 54 years of age, God began to move us. And the very first thing I put on the back of that horse is the blanket because I can't put the saddle on. Everything has got to be in order. And by I say everything in order, how about your salvation? Every service it has been dealt about that. 1 John chapter 5, the Bible says, I write these things unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. You can't even get in the saddle because you got to get the blanket on and salvation is first place. And some of you will make a decision, but you'll doubt it, you'll question it, you'll go through a trial, and when that salvation is secure and that blanket lays on there, I can go ahead and throw the saddle on. I can't even get in the will of God until I've got salvation settled in my life. I can't do the will of God until I know that I'm saved, know that I'm born again, know that my name's written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and know what's going on. I have no idea how many teenagers and people I've dealt with through the years. I quit asking people if they're saved here in Lexington. If we're in the South, everybody's saved. I quit asking people if they know they're a Christian. I come back all the way here and I look at them and I say, I'm not married because I wear a ring. 
I'm not married because I go ahead and have had children. I'm not married because my wife and I live together. I am married because on May 22nd, 1971, I stood before her family, my family, and friends, and I said, I take thee, Shauna Jo Evans, to be my lawful wedded wife. I said, could you tell me when you took Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Then we can get down to work and we get the blanket laid in the right place when we get salvation settled. What must I do to be saved? That's simple. That's black and white. That's right there. You will never be happy in the saddle until you get salvation taken care of because that saddle is going to hurt that horse if you don't get that blanket underneath. And some of you, you've lost your joy and you don't have the joy because it simply comes back, are you saved and have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? The saddle has to be in the right place. Most people think you just flop it on there. If you get too close to the end of the mane, there's a thing that's a not-looking thing there. It's called the withers. If that withers gets bounced and bounced and bounced, it'll bruise. When that wither gets bounced, there's a disease that happens. It's called a wither worm, and it'll literally eat a hole right down into the very neck bone and spine of that horse from one reason, just banging that, just banging that saddle on that withers. If I pull it back too far, there's these two go buttons back here called the flanks. And if I set too far back on that horse, I'm setting up on its hindquarters. It'll make effect on those muscles. It'll make effect how that horse runs. It'll make effect how everything that happens on that horse. I've got to put that saddle on that blanket in the right place. You see, baptism is the first step of obedience in your walk with Christ. Salvation is getting the blanket on. Baptism is getting the saddle in the right place. The saddle must be placed on the horse in the back, the proper place. If it's placed too far forward, I can run that risk of bruising those withers. And can I tell you, a bruised withers with a withered worm, you're done riding the horse. I've pulled a worm out that's almost six to eight inches long for one reason. The hat saddle was continually put on the horse the wrong way. You might as well do two things. Turn it to pasture or call the glue truck. If you don't put your saddle in the right place and you don't get salvation and baptism in right order. There was a man that two ladies from our college led to Christ just last week. I went, they texted me and I went and visit, immediately visited him. I went and talked to him about his decision. We went back through the plan of salvation. He knew and he understood. I said, now the very next step. And I went ahead and I invited him to come to the church, to look at the church, to be part of the church. But these are the words that I want you to get for sake of time. He said, if that's the next step I'm supposed to do, I want to do it. And he did. On Sunday morning, came forward, walked the aisle, got baptized. Then I gave him his Bible and he came back to church on Sunday night. You get things in order. We've got to have the blanket. That's our salvation. We've got to have the saddle in the right place. That's our baptism. There's a thing that hangs underneath that old horse and it's called the cinch. Or you might call it something else, but the cinch is what holds a saddle on that keeps you and me setting upright, and the cinch is you and I reading the Bible. Last night there was activities going, and somebody asked if I was going to the activity. I said, no, i got to get up and walk with God this morning, tomorrow morning. i got to read my Bible. How can I stand before my grandchildren and my wife without me having that personal time with God? 
Sometimes we come to a conference like this and we get so busy and we miss the importance of daily feeding ourselves from the Word of God. What ends up happening, the Bible is our security of promise. It is our glue that keeps us growing in the Lord. It's knowing what we believe. It's why we believe it and allow the Lord to speak to us. Keeps us securely walking in the Lord. You see that cinch, if I don't go ahead and put it on right, I'll slide the saddle off. I'll fall off. I could go underneath the horse. The saddle could come off. It keeps it tight at all times. When you first saddle a horse, they have a tendency to hold air and you go ahead and put that strap tie that knot you put it on there but what you do is you kick your knee in that side and pull it because that horse will hold air and belch out and what happens is you ride for a while secondly after you ride for a while you always stop you get off and the first thing you do is retighten your cinch you see what happens is we have the word of God and we want the Word of God, but we don't make it a point every day. I can't get the saddle to stay on the horse without the cinch. I can't have a walk with God. I can't have the power of God. I can't have the knowledge of God. I can't have the victories in my heart. The Bible says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How in the world do you get it hid if you don't read it? When I stop sometimes and you've got those horses that hold that air and you've got to kick them hard, you got to draw that up because that saddle I've been riding, the saddle is turned. I've been roping and the saddle is almost when the strength of that little calf is out there pulling on the saddle and it'll pull it all over. It's all because I didn't have the cinch tight. This is the cinch in our walk with God. This is what keeps us in the saddle. This is what feeds us. This is what will encourage us. This is what will guide us. It's not old-fashioned. It's up to date. He's in charge. The problem is you're discouraged because you've not got your joy from the Word of God. You're going to fall off of the saddle, but you've got to get back in. And the cinch is going to hold it on tight to the Word of God. You have to learn how to write, set right in the saddle. You see, yielding your life to God's will, knowing and serving God is perfect will for your life, is the happiest place to be. I might not look it, but I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. You have no idea in the will of God what ends up happening. Before this conference started two weeks ago, my wife and I got into her little Ford Escape. We were coming in town to go soul winning and do my responsibilities here on Saturday. And I started the car and it started missing, 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 missing. And I thought, oh boy. Living in the country, you have varmints called mice, little squirrels, little groundhogs, rats, even with the neighbors when they don't haul their garbage off. And it was starting to miss. And so we have AAA and had it towed in. They called it from the garage and they said, Dave, we see right now you got about $600 worth of damage of wires. Whoever decided to make, put in Ford, Ram, Chevy, whatever it is, products, biodegradable. Could somebody go find those EPA people and shoot them, please? <laughs> I called them earlier this week because my wife needed a vehicle during this week, and they said, Dave, it's gone up to $700. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We live on a string budget. But you see, when I talk about setting right in the, in the stirrups, setting right on the saddle, I have a God, the Father in heaven, that allows me to share my burdens with him. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. I left the church yesterday after checking with Brother Davis if there's any other responsibilities. I got in that truck out there, and I said, Father, the bill's already around $800. Father, that's not in our budget section. Father, I know I have space on credit cards, but that's not pleasing to you. Father, I can take some areas from some other budget, but Father, that's not pleasing to you. You see, my Bible says, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. And I got 
got home and I sat at the desk and I said, Father, help me to have your power on this. And as I was sitting there praying and studying a little bit farther, the phone rang and they said these words, Dave, this is Lee at Stuart Powell Ford in Danville, Kentucky. I thought, oh my... I said, Lee, are my dog tags from when I got my out of the army? Is that good enough? Lee, I'll give you my shot record. Lee, I'll give you my blood type. Lee, whatever. And he's laughing and he says, Dave, no charge. Wait a minute, Lee. Two days ago it was $800. Now you're telling me no charge? He said, yes, and I'm not authorized to tell you who paid for it. Do you know that's happened to me unknown at the garage three different times that way? I don't know Stuart Powell Ford's paying for it. I found out yesterday who was paying for it. I'm telling you that when I sit right in the saddle, there's a God that will meet every need I have. There's a God in heaven that loves me, but I can't get in the saddle until I get my salvation settled. And I can't get my saddle in the saddle until I get my blanket on there and get the saddle on there and get it cinched up right and spend my life in the Word of God and dwell on the Word of God. Let it be part of my life. Let it breathe when I wake up. Let it wake me in the middle of the night. And the whole Holy Spirit of God is hungering for you to have a walk with Him. Amen. Young people, my life was threatened this year with a man that wanted to kill me here in Lexington. I'd loved him. He was unstable in mind. Been in his home. The police of Lexington police showed up and said, we need to interview you, sir. There's been charges brought against you. Hello, howdy. I thought, how'd those campers find me? I answered all the questions, and he says, I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Smith. I can see that there's no problem with you. The man that did it, I've been there for him for eight years. He has mind problems. I contacted a preacher. Yesterday, driving in, just praying for him, he called me on the phone. He said, can I come back to church? I said, that's not my decision. He said, you love me. I said, I know it. He said, Brother Smith, I love you. You see, that man got out of the saddle. He didn't want to read the Word of God. He said it's too hard to understand. I sent him little text messages every day and began to teach him verses. You see, some of you here today, you'll have salvation right, the blanket's on. You'll have go ahead and baptism. You've done that, the saddle's sitting there. You've gone ahead and cinched yourself up tight. You go ahead and read a little bit in the Bible, but your prayer life is literally nothing to get from the Word of God. I came to preacher one Sunday night before we walked out on the platform. I said, preacher, and I called a man's name. That man's been coming to our church for four years. He was saved under John Rawlings, one of the greatest pulpiteers and preachers of days gone by. He came and he got his heart right with God. I met with him on a daily basis, sending him text messages, going by and praying. And what happened is he was coming Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, reading his Bible. I just had purchased through Miss Rima over there a Bible that he paid for, a new Schofield Bible. And then he missed a Wednesday night. He missed a Sunday night. I immediately went to see him. He's working with another man in our church. He's sick and everything. I feared what ended up happening. He turned back. Because he closed the Bible. He turned back because he let the cinch get loose. He turned back because he had his saddle slid too forward. He turned back because he went to live with the girlfriend that got him back on heroin, that got him back on snorting some other stuff. And I stood with clearance from the hospital that they didn't let any preachers in. And I begged him at the entrance of St. Joseph's Hospital. And I said, I'm assistant pastor at Claysville Baptist Church and a man's dying up there. And I said, the last thing I've got to let him know, these is just a quote, 
that there's somebody on this earth that loves him with all their heart. They let me come in. I went to the third floor. I saw 14 different machines plugged into him. Less than three weeks before he was sitting in church. Less than three weeks before we were talking about the Bible every day. Less than three weeks before we were praying on the phone. Now his daughter that I had never met is across the bed from me. I kept texting preacher and giving him reports for about two weeks. Then I came to church one night. And I said, preacher, the machines were unplugged today. He was saved. He was baptized. He had the right scriptures. He was praying, but it all stopped. One little thing's wrong, and you'll get thrown out of the saddle. I see that in the saddle of you and me being in the perfect will of God, knowing and serving in God's perfect will for your life is the happiest place to be. But when you're in the will of God, the devil comes along and tries to kick you out. He tries to get that horse to buck. He tries to get loosen that cinch up a little bit. My wife and I have the privilege and very humbly preacher allows us to live at the ranch house there and I've shared with him throughout the 11 years that we've lived out there about us remodeling the whole house and preacher said I want you to make that your home and he's been beyond kind and beyond taken care of and I owe Pastor Fugit a lifelong debt my wife and I had not had kitchen cabinets my wife has a place in heaven that's completed she's lived with a man on this earth that's always got a project going her crown is going to be beyond, it'll take a dozen people to carry it, just from living with me. We were out soul winning, and we'd save some money, and we'd put it away for the cabinets, and we'd go look at the cabinets at the store we were going to buy them from, and we'd get so excited, then a bill would come, we'd have to get into that section of the budget. And We were out soul winning, and somebody in our church said, have you ever gone over to Southland, where that is, that kind of... Uh, junk or rebuild places and we found some cabinets exactly the size and it was only $750 and the cabinets were going to be almost $4,600 that we were going to buy. They're not a high dollar but it was expensive and we went ahead and had that $750 and we put it on there and rejoiced in there and got excited and watched them put those old signs. I was going to get those cabinets on Monday because that's usually the day I work at the camp and I was going to install them and man alive I come in. We had church on Sunday. We were just in hog heaven. We were sitting tall in the saddle. The cinch was tight. I mean to tell you the blanket was right. I mean to tell you everything was set there and what ended up happening a precious young couple that were like freshly married couples were going to town and I left my wife at home I loaded up and went in, pulled the camp trailer in there, loaded all the cabinets, had them all panned and everything there was another family in our church that's helping us I drove less than a mile to get on Harrodsburg Road I'm on my phone with my sweetheart telling her how excited I am. I'm going to set the base cabinets in today honey when I get home, I'm looking in the rear view mirror of that blue Ford truck. I was not right with God driving a Ford at that time, but I'm in heaven now driving a Ram. Amen. If you don't like Ram trucks, you're not even close to God. And so what ended up happening, I was looking in the rear view mirror and I saw it coming. Behind the wheel was a demonic figure called a woman. She was exceeding the speed limit and she was going in and out of traffic, in and out of traffic. That Ford emblem on that black Ford Escape got closer and closer. There was a little wannabe pickup beside me called a Toyota. And that little Toyota was right there. And that lady thought she could fit between that Toyota and that. Fellas, don't do what I just about to do. Between that Ford truck and that Toyota. 
and she hit us. And when she hit us, I said, honey, I'm having an accident. Bye. <laughs> There's not enough forgiveness in the world. I'm here to tell you that Toyota shot like a rocket down the road. The guy was weighing in at least 400 pounds. I mean to tell you, it was funny. He was had the whole cab filled, and I watched this Ford truck turn this way, the trailer twist up, cabinets go all over the place. Church members went by. What are you doing, Brother Smith? They were going the opposite direction. I got out and stood in the middle here at Brig Road, and I said, Father, I'm waiting to see what happened. I got kicked out of the saddle, but I just want you to know I'm putting my foot in the stirrup. I'm going to climb back on. $750. To you, that's not a lot. You see why? I got to see God every day. I pleaded with him this morning, can I see a God today? I pleaded with him yesterday throughout the day, God, can I see you? I've got my blanket on right. I've got my saddle on right. I've got it cinched tight. I've swung in and I'm setting up straight. But God, I just got bucked off. She tried to say it was my fault. I was in front of her and she hit me. She was hollering at the police officer. I was just standing there. Ma'am, could I give you a gospel track? <laughs> this never happened to me before. She started bawling. I had the privilege to sit down and share Christ with her. I thought, but Lord, I don't want to do it this way. I'd like to go soul winning some other way. <laughs> Three weeks later, got the estimates. The insurance company calls. Her insurance company said, sir, we'd like you to go buy cabinets. I said, ma'am, those are used cabinets. I can't buy any more like that. Sir, we'd like you to go buy the cabinets that you want. I came home with a check from the post office. I didn't even tell her what the insurance company said. I said, could you get with me in the truck? We're going to get some cabinets. She says, honey, where are we going? I said, I want to show you. You see, I want to stay sitting in the saddle. I'll end my life soon, not end it personally. It's endless. In 1996, my wife and I and our two children were carbon monoxide poisoned in a church. They took us to the poison center in Kansas City, Missouri. The doctors came to the rooms ahead of us and they said, we don't know why you're alive. I looked at the doctor and I said, I know. God's got a plan. I can say so much more and I had a whole lot of scripture. But I want to tell you something. Being in the saddle of God for God is the greatest place to be. Have your blanket on right. Have your sense, your saddle on right. Your sense tight. Set right. You're not junk. God has a plan for you. God has a will for your life. God wants to use you until you draw your last breath. It's this and I'm done. We came here to Kentucky. Our church had a piece of property that was purchased for the camp. We had to go before County Board of Supervisors and pastor my son and I in his truck to a distant city. That night I saw the man that I love with all my heart tore up in front of people. They called him names. We got back in the truck and it was silent for a while and we rode back. Preacher's always positive. He always recovers. I worry about it because he recovers so good. Sometimes I wonder, Preacher, are you human like the rest of us? What ended up happening, to make a long story short, two days later, there was two houses that burned to the ground across from that property, and the front page of the paper was that I was an arsonist and 
went ahead and set the places on fire. I thought, welcome to Kentucky, Dave Smith. Preacher said, I need you to go with Brother Dunn and find some property. We started looking. I asked God to do two things. Father, I need to see your presence. Not in a verbal way, but I need your peace as we walk the property. Property was purchased in Garrett County, 117 acres. The man that started the Clays Mill Baptist Church was Dr. Lewis Arnold. He's up into his hundreds if he would be alive. But shortly before his 100th birthday, preacher announced about the property. And he came up to me after the service and he put his arms around me and said, Brother Smith, thank you for being an answer to God's prayer in my family's life. I said, Dr. Arnold, could you explain that? Dr. Arnold was an only child. His mother couldn't get expecting with child. When she became expecting with child, Dr. Arnold, she had before that to get expectant, she fasted and prayed for days, and Brother Arnold said literally weeks, that she would become a child just like Hannah. When she became with child, she had trouble with that carrying that child. The doctor warned her that she would probably not be able to carry the child, possibly even lose her life. And so Dr. and Mrs. Arnold went ahead and dedicated their farm. Dr. Arnold stood on those 117 acres. He's tried to point out a couple of spots to me. But can I tell you this, part of Circle C Baptist Ranch is that farm that Dr. Lewis and Mrs. Arnold's mom and dad dedicated to God. I want to spend the rest of my life in this saddle. I want to spend the rest of my life serving God. If you've never said, God, here am I, just do it today. Father, I thank you for this day. I pray, Father, that it's been pleasing to you. Thank you for the patience of preacher. Thank you for his love for souls. Thank you, Father, for these young people. Let them know you have a plan for their life. Thank you for these youth workers. In Jesus' name, amen.